Good morning and assalamu alaikum my dears. Hope you all are keeping well. So welcome to yet another session of literary criticism and theories. So what did we do in the last class? In the last class I gave you an introduction about the most challenging of literary theories of that you'll be learning this semester that is deconstruction. I hope you remember the beautiful allegory I gave you what you have to remember when you will be learning deconstruction throughout the allegory of the river how you can never dive into the same river twice so when time with the time changes and uh, you have new experiences your outlook changes and how you can never understand a text in the same way over and over again now what else did we learn in the last class i gave you a basic introduction about deconstruction it was rather an extension or a branch of post structuralism it came as a reaction against structuralism and um, it came in the year around 1960s and the 70s and then we also uh, so who was the father of deconstruction that was Jacques Derrida the french philosopher and how he had uh, what can we say introduced the concept of deconstruction in his 1967 book of grammatology which i hope you remember it was translated by gayatri spivak and then i told you to differentiate structuralism and post structuralism in the sense that post structuralism or deconstruction is basically a philosophy whereas structuralism is connected to linguistics alone what does structuralism tell you it told you that meaning was absolute that there is a structure followed by language whereas post structuralism is a moment is a movement that negated all this that meaning is not absolute there is no structure and i gave you the example of how you understand a building to understand a building you have to deconstruct it you have to completely destroy it to understand the hidden meaning so the post structuralists or the deconstructionists they always look for meaning that is not present so meaning is never fully present in language according to them it is deferred endlessly meaning is floating i told you that meaning is not definite text is elusive or slippery and i told you the concept of the how the author is dead the author is not significant when you study a text and when an, one another important thing i had told you was that post structuralism or deconstruction it basically destroyed the concept of binary oppositions and the other great comparison that i had told you was post structuralism how when you use the word with a hyphen and without a hyphen i hope you remember that when you use the hyphenated post structuralism that is it refers to a particular time period post that is after comma or a hyphen structuralism so it refers to a particular time period which came as a reaction or a response to structuralism 
Now, post-structuralism, when you use the term without a hyphen, you are referring to the features and the traits of post-structuralism. It does not particularly uh, be limited to a particular time period. Okay, so these, was the these were the concepts that we dealt with in the last class. So, today we will be moving on. So, welcome to Deconstruction Part 2. Okay, so I would like to begin today's session by introducing a new term or a very important term in deconstruction and that is decentering. What do we understand from the term decentering? Center and decenter. So center means there is a center and decentering meaning removing the center. Clear? So Derrida had actually developed this way of thinking through deconstruction and that way of thinking is called decentering. He basically tells us that every system has a structure. There is a definite structure to every system. For a structure to exist there should be a specific center. You cannot have a structure without a center. So the center will be controlling the entire structure. For example, you take the structure of uh, religion. So religion is an important structure which has a center. That is faith or God would be the specific center which controls the religion. Clear? Another example, suppose marriage. Marriage is a structure. You have that definite structure in a marriage. You know, every system has a structure. Whatever structure system you take, it will have a structure. So for a family system or for a you know, uh, marriage has, uh, for marriage to exist, for marriage to establish itself, it should have a definite structure and it will have a center. The center would be there, what can we say, love or respect for each other. It would be what controls the entire structure. Once there is no love, there is no respect for each other, you lose that love and trust in each other, then the structure collapses marriage collapses so that is what i mean by having a structure and having a center so the center will be what controls the structure only this much you have to understand this is not limited to linguistics it is a philosophy now what is a center the definition of a center would be a center can be recognized as a guiding concept or something that explains the nature of that structure. So the center will determine what kind of a structure it has. So it depends completely on the center, what kind of a structure it is, for how strong a structure is. So the stronger the center, the stronger the structure will be. Now moving on to the next point, it says center is simultaneously within the structure and outside of it. 
Now, what do you mean by within the structure and outside of it? When you speak of center controlling a structure, you cannot say that the center uh, should be the structure is fully controlled by the center. So the center cannot be inside the structure. It has to be outside to be the controlling force. So the center should be fully aware of what happens within and outside the structure. So the center's presence or where the center is cannot be pinpointed. It can be both outside and both inside. Center is the actual center, although not belonging to the totality. This totality or this structure is being controlled by the center. Then if the center itself is inside the structure, then the center will be controlled by the center. I hope you understand. You draw a circle and you draw a center there. Okay. Now if the center is supposed to be controlling everything inside that circle, then that center is also being controlled by the center. I hope you get my point. Okay. So it has to be both outside and both inside. It should exist simultaneously. So that is why Derrida is saying the center is not actually the center. So Derrida is basing this concept on uh, the fact that we are always looking for a structure and a center. Human beings cannot exist without a structure. They cannot exist without a center. So we are throughout always aware of ourselves being within a structure, being inside a center. But actually Derrida is saying, the center is not actually the center. It is not what controls the structure. Because basically, there is no structure. Now, this is the basic logic of Derrida's concept of post-structuralism. For example, let's come back to our example of marriage. I told you a marriage is a structure. The system exists in a structure of marriage and it has a center that is their love and trust or whatever you specify as the center that binds them. That is the guiding concept. Let's look, let's look at the definition of a center. It can be recognized as a guiding concept or something that explains the nature of that structure. So this marriage is relevant or this marriage exists because they have that love within them. Do you think in every marriage there is this uh, mutual respect and mutual trust and love? Suppose the husband is cheating on the wife. That trust is not there. That love is not there, right? But still the marriage is existing. So is that really the center? So the center is not actually the center there then right then everything is you know uh, deconstructed here the center is not the center then then that means the structure is not there that means that marriage is nullified let uh, let us take an example of a government that exists india is a very big democracy we know now, India is a democracy, it exists and the government is also there. The government is the guiding force, the government is the center. 
so democracy is a structure india as a, has adopted the structure of democracy and we have a center that is the government the constitution or whatever we say is the center but can we say that the government is really standing for the structure is it really for the democracy are they really trying to uphold democracy not everyone basically when you think of a government within a democracy it is actually just a majority's uh, selection right the ruling party who becomes the government the government is the ruling party right so the ruling party when it becomes a part of the government when it becomes the government it is actually just the uh, what can we say the um, choice of a majority if uh, you know uh, people have voted and only 60% has voted for the government so called uh, ruling party then the other 40% are still not you know they have not selected that as the center so for them it is not their center they have not opted it as their center and also we have another issue there the polling how many people have not voted so for them who is the center so this is the basic concept which he is trying to say that the center is actually not the center this happens in every structure you know you break down every structure and you understand that actually there is no structure there is no center so derrida he basically what derrida does is that from uh, what i've written in my last point derrida views the world as seemingly broken up into pieces where object and ideas are represented from factors that surround it you know people ev- always opt for what is easier so we look for what is you know in our immediate uh, surrounding so we don't bother about what is the center what is the structure so everything is actually broken up so there is no one totality there is no one structure that is what derrida is saying everything is fragmented that is what deconstructionists believe now moving on to our next concept deconstruction of sign now to deconstruct the sign let us simply understand what you mean by sign you know structuralism that is the legacy of the linguist ferdinand de saussure it maintained that signifier that is a form of a sign it refers to a signified you have learned the example right signifier you have cat the word cat and the signified the actual cat that you know you tell the word signifier or you read the word signifier uh, cat and that is the signifier and you have the signified that is the cat now deconstruction actually challenges the idea of a structure for them there is no structure or no center hence no univocal meaning so you cannot bind this signifier and signified together cat c a t or the sound or the word cat cannot be always linked to this cat the animal cat can it always be linked to this cat katrina kaif the popular bollywood actress is called cat that also comes from the signifier cat right so i'll be explaining more detailed 
in more detail so the notion of a direct relationship between signifier and signified is no longer tenable is no longer what can we say tenable means is no longer valid okay there is no direct relationship you cannot say cat cat is equal to pucha billy no you cannot say that it can have different signifieds so it cannot have a direct relationship there is no one on one relationship instead according to derrida what we have is infinite shifts in meaning relayed from one signifier to another that is a shift in meaning there is always shift in meaning you know when suppose i tell the word cat you have an image of a cat in your mind uh, others might have a different image of a cat now when i had this image of a cat this image of a cat it becomes instead of the signified it becomes a signifier for me and i am reminded of chiru a cat i had in my ancestral home in my mother's ancestral home we had this cat uh, she was called chiru a very beloved cat to us all so cat the word invoked in my mind the signified or the concept of a cat and then i'm then reminded of chiru and then from there i might again chiru then becomes a signifier and then i'm reminded of my ancestral home maybe so there is infinite shifting of meaning okay just understand that concept there is an infinite shift in meaning relate from one signifier to another and the signifier the last point the signifier does not refer to a definite signified it does not always have only one meaning but predicts another signifier instead it can be an signifier so the initial signified becomes a signifier and you have another signified okay i hope the next uh, slide will help you uh, relate more better in the next slide i hope the image is clear from the word or from the uh, letters uh, whatever the signifier you choose uh, signifier you have you have l i o n or someone might say the word lion not everyone for them this uh, hierarchy it might follow it might be different so uh, one of you uh, one might have an image of uh, a lion and then they might be reminded of uh, this lion the second lion the animated lion so the animated lion is a part of a movie right so then you are reminded of disney's the lion king movie and then we might be reminded of this uh, song sequence in the lion king a very comic lion uh, song sequence is there in which they have this dancing uh simba is very lively and very you know having uh, dancing and all this other animals his friends are there so actually the signifier lion the initial first signifier lion had actually uh, was maybe uh, told by the person who told that signifier to invoke a very ferocious image in your mind but the ultimate result that ended might be a comic uh, you know reminder of the song sequence from the film lion king so just uh, see how the signifier shifts so the first lion is the first signified which becomes a signifier and then you get the other signified which then becomes the next signifier so this instant what can we say this shift in meaning or this change from one signifier to another 
is very important here. Okay, I think uh, we can wind this class here because uh, I'm already reached the uh, you know time limit. So it might be a bit boring also because deconstruction is not, you know, easily, uh, what can we say, absorbable. You cannot easily understand the concepts. So uh, we, we, we might have to take it a bit slow. Since this is deconstruction, I am happily willing to give you lots of time because I too need time. Because I am also at times very confused. So you don't need to feel anything. So we'll take it uh, little by little. I just I also wanted uh, to give you an introduction about uh, Derrida. At least um, a small bio about Derrida and his works. But I think it will have to wait. So anyway, um, we'll be dealing with it in the next class. Uh, I want you to go through thoroughly with this section. And if possible, I'll be sharing the uh, slides and also the uh, I'll try to give you some notes also about from deconstruction so you can read on your own. Okay, so try to read as much as possible on the topics that are selected for our classes so that you will be able to understand a little by little, at least uh, more deeply. Okay, so thank you girls for your time and patience and keep smiling.